Welcome to the podcast, the Channel KRT podcast, that is. I'm your host for this week, Tyler Green. With me, as always, is... Hi, I'm Kitty Quinn, and there's no way you can prove I'm not secretly 20 cheeses in a human trench coat. I'm Randy Martin, and to quote Tyler, the creator, bear is the shit. (laughs) And welcome to our final episode of our Christmas celebration, and this is a very good one, because we've got a very special guest with us. Please welcome to the show... Matt Lavasser. Matt, how are you? Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so happy to be here. Yeah, it's so great. It's so great to have you. Sorry for all the static that you had to climb through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you were fine with fighting those dogs off, right? Yeah, I mean, I've had a few bad experiences with dogs, but nothing I couldn't handle. Uh, something, something, uh, reference to that 1999 creepypasta. <laughs> <laughs> we're all just gonna dress in bear costumes and then just dance together. <laughs> And we got band-aids over there for your hands since you had to get over that chain link fence too. So <laughs> can somebody get me out of this bear trap? Well, Randy trapped me in it after she let Tony go, and now I've been stuck here for days. <laughs> I would, but I'm still dead at that Chicago dumpster. Um, Yay! This time it's covered in snow. Uh, oh, Randy, by the way, I tried to send you a deep dish pizza just to help you warm up. Did it ever come by any chance? I think the raccoon ate that, but it's it's Aww. fine. I'm sorry. They also chewed off my arms, so there was really no way I could have even eaten it. Eh, you, you would have adapted somehow, I'm sure. But enough about those animals. Let's talk about some nicer animals. More specifically, the animals in Woodland Valley on the show, Bear in the Big Blue House. Yay! Yes! <laughs> We've invited Matt here today to talk about a very special two-part episode of Bear in the Big Blue House called A Berry Bear Christmas. So do you guys want to talk about your specific relationship with the show and maybe the episode itself? Bear in the Big Blue House, I specifically asked to talk about Bear on the podcast because this show was pretty much my childhood. I was born in the summer of 1997. Bear premiered in October of that year. So it's pretty much been a huge part of my life. And um, I grew up watching it. I loved it. I'm I'm lucky to grow up with the original Playhouse Disney. So, you know, Bear, Out of the Box. PB&J Otter, Roly Poly Oly, all those wonderful shows. All those are going to be shows we're going to have to talk about at some point. I definitely want to do at least Out of the Box someday. Yes. I mean, plus, I'm uh, Out of the Box, the whole show is available on Disney+. Plus. So, yes. Yes. And I did binge some of it when I first got Disney+. Plus. You guys can keep your Mandalorians. I will always be able to say that Out of the Box was the first show I streamed on Disney+. Plus. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Mine was Hannah Montana. My very first one was the 22 episodes of Springfield. Because <laughs> I had to see Steamed Hams on Disney Plus very first. Yes. By the way, um, Bear in the Big Blue House is not on Disney Plus. I mean, they should fix that immediately. I do actually yes. remember the very first thing I watched on Disney Plus. It was that old Disney cartoon with uh, Persephone and Hades. Goddess of Spring. Goddess yes, of Spring. Goddess oh, yeah, of Spring. Yeah. Where they were clearly just experimenting with like human animation for Snow White and Persephone's got just rocking the hell out of those spaghetti arms. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so weird and unnatural, but you also, you know, they're trying their best. This is an experimental film mostly, and you know, you gotta give them credit for that. I heard that was actually the very first Cell animated cartoon ever, too, so... You know, I haven't seen it yet, so I'm probably gonna have to take that chance sometime, so... I watch it just for the music alone, honestly. I mean, that guy's got a good falsetto on him. Oh, yeah. I think it was the same guy who did uh, Love is a Song for Bambi. 
And now it'll convince Disney Plus to make their own version of Hades Town. I mean, hey, they have Hamilton. They're going to make one of Once on This Island, so. <laughs> I think they should make a little sitcom where Hades from Goddess of Spring and Hades from Hercules are roommates. What? <laughs> and our landlord is the Hades from Hades Town. Just keep James Woods as far the fuck away from it as possible. That's all I can ask for. So you have, like, Blue Flame, like, Gerald Scarfe Hades, with, like, <laughs> devil footy pajamas Hades. Who was the guy in Descendants 2 that played Hades? Let's just get him. Uh, Rob Paulson actually played um, Hades for House of Mouse, so Rob Paulson did, so we can just get him to replace him, so that way James Woods isn't a part of it. Oh! Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I mean, Rob Paulson could replace literally anybody, and I'd have no problem with it whatsoever. Exactly. Yep. All right, uh, who wants to go next? I did grow up as a Playhouse Disney kid, loved Bear in the Big Blue House, even as an adult I love it, and at the most recent Rhode Island Comic Con, of which recording was 2019, I actually met uh, Noel McNeil a few times. Yes! <laughs> and it was awesome, I do have oh, a how picture. Could, how could we forget that beautiful story? Oh, oh my man. god. Knock on the damn door! Yes, knock on the damn- <laughs> I'm not teaching these kids how to trick-or-treat, knock on the damn door. I think I, ta- I think I talked a lot about that on uh, the Puzzle Place episode we did, because, you yeah. know, he's also in that. Uh, Speaking of which, I guess Noel McNeil can join Gilbert Gottfried as the frequent flyer oh, on Channel KRT. Peter Lins was on the Puzzle Place and Bear. Oh, yeah, Peter Lins, Alice Deninian did a voice. She was a uh, Tutter's Grandma Flutter. She's not in this episode, though, but that's a different voice actress. Then, fun fact, David Goals is in this episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, the legend himself. Better known as Figment in the 2002 installment of Journey into Imagination that everybody loves. Yay! Uh, no hate towards David Goals, but yay! It's not Figment's fault, it's Nigel Channing's fault. We gotta team up on Nigel Channing. <laughs> it should say a lot that even as a kid, I hated that ride. Aww. Uh. <laughs> At this point in my life, I've pretty much just settled for it in that I did like it as a kid, but nowadays, if it's there, I'll ride it just cause, just so I can see Figment in some capacity. Like, it's not going to be ideal, but better than nothing, you know? We got to free our boy. We got to just break into the ride and then just be like, we'll get you back to Dreamfinder, son. We love you. <laughs> I was actually going to say something. It's kind of off topic, but... Tony Baxter recently said that he's interested in redoing Journey into Imagination, which he damn well should. Let him. Yes. Let the man speak. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have uh, a lot of matter in the say on the new Princess and the Frog makeover on Splash Mountain. So cross fingers. If they can get him back for that, they can absolutely get him back for a supposed Journey to Imagination reboot. There's no excuse. So the Splash Mountain whiners have no excuse to whine about getting rid of it because even the guy who was responsible for it is all in for the redoing. <laughs> wow, it's almost like it's not about the attraction itself, but rather the subject matter. What a concept. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Womp. Fucking racists. So, fun fact, um, so like you all, I grew up with Bear in the Big Blue House. It was, honestly, there's not much I can say about it other than it's such a great show. It's just, it's really rare to see such a nice, relaxing show for kids because it's like, 
It feels like because it was kind of the next big kids show after Sesame Street by Jim Henson Studios, it seemed like a lot of people were, were like, oh, it's going to be quiet or it's not going to have a bunch of celebrity guests. And as much as I love Sesame Street, you can kind of tell that it was kind of that everybody, it's a big, big, big thing. We got to have as many people on it as possible, as many stories. Bear in the Big Blue House is always the quieter show. It was kind of the... Let's, we'll have our own big thing and we'll kind of have our own sets. In addition, it's actually kind of one of those shows I liked a lot as a kid, but I actually grew to love as an adult. Like, it's kind of rare to see a kid's show that works just so goddamn well in my adulthood even more. And Fun fact, this was the only Bear episode I ever owned on VHS for some reason. I don't know if it was just because we didn't have a lot of time to get VHSs or if it was because around the time the VHSs went out of business. Business. But yeah, I own this one on VHS. Wow. Yeah. It's also kind of funny because I remember that earlier I was also watching some footage of, speaking of Playhouse Disney, I got such a big nostalgia flashback because the thing I was watching the episode on, on archive.org, they had like little... Yeah, by the way, archive.org has the majority of the show up somewhere. So you can easily look up Bear in the Big Blue House and find a decent list of episodes. Yes. <laughs> because they're not on Disney Plus for some uh, reason. Get on that, Disney. They keep giving the Muppets the shaft. I don't know why. I mean, they gave Fozzie a little sister. That's pretty cool. I do like that. But they're on thin fucking ice right now. I'll say that. Save Muppet Vision. Save Muppets now. Save. Even give Muppets ABC another season. Just something. <laughs> Just anything. It is kind of funny that this episode was released the same year as both Muppets from Space and Elmo and Grouchland. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I still need to watch Elmo and Grouchland. That looks just so... Elmo and Grouchland was my trip. shit as a kid. I, I, yes. I love that fucking movie. I have seen Follow That Bird. Follow That Bird is probably one of the greatest movies ever made. So Muppets in yeah. Space, however, can choke. I was talking yeah. about that with my girlfriend last night. That shit is not canon. Also, <laughs> Kermit's Swamp Years. <laughs> oh, we'll get no. to that. I, I was about to say, actually, be careful what you wish for when you say you'll take any new Muppets content, because the monkey's paw is going to hear that, and before you know it, Kermit's Swamp Years 2. <laughs> or Muppet <laughs> Wizard of Oz is on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Kermit's Swamp Years, the realistic frog CGI remake. <laughs> Presented by Warner Brothers. So, we're we're going to get fucking Simba's swamp years or whatever. Uh. Oh, you know who plays the um, villain in Elmo and Grouchland? Oh, Mandy, Mandy Patinkin. Patinkin. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and Ningo Montoya himself. Baby's first princess bride, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> you stole my wubby. Prepare to die. <laughs> I fucking love that he's just so fucking determined to steal a blanket. He almost kills a child over it. <laughs> It's like the villain in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, only even more fucked up. It's like the Wicked Witch. The Wicked Witch was willing to kill a child over a pair of shoes. <laughs> the original Karen. <laughs> okay, so I guess I'll get into my relationship with Bear in the Big Blue House now. So I watched so much Playhouse Disney as a kid. I'll just putting that out there. I watched all the shows that Matt mentioned. Definitely PB and J Otter, Out of the Box, Roly Poly Oly. Just, and especially this show. It was a very soothing show to watch. And fun fact, I've actually, until recently, I've never seen this Christmas special. Hmm. Yeah. 
It was very interesting to watch this for the first time because it's a very interesting special and it's surprisingly pretty heavy in the topic matter as we'll get to later. I love how it's how it's heavy but it's never too heavy. It's still very fun and lighthearted and it still knows how to have a good balance. Yeah, they do a very good job at explaining the situation without dumbing it down. Especially without some like, oh, it just happened. The topic is homelessness, by the way. <laughs> Yay! Merry Christmas! You know, I've realized something is that whenever something, at least from the Jim Henson Studios, has Christmas, the less heavy the topic is, the better special it is. Like, both Muppet Family Christmas and this are honestly the best ones, in my opinion, because they have simple plots that are still really deep and emotional and still really work. They're not like a very merry Muppet Christmas, fucking having a backstory where Kermit was never born and Scooter's a stripper. (laughs) Oh, God, what the hell was that? What? (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's the thing that aired on nbc in 2002 i think it's uh it's dark i'll say that's the least i'm gonna say it's a fucking travesty and we are definitely gonna talk about it next year yes <laughs> <laughs> and fucking scooter becomes a stripper in the <laughs> for mulan scrooge <laughs> mulan scrooge <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say real quick, I kind of wish that Muppet Family Christmas could have came out like a decade later just so we could have gotten Bear with everyone else. <gasps> yes. Yes. Or better oh yet, better yet, instead of Emily Bear, everybody goes to Bear's house. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Just imagine <laughs> the anarchy of that and just the sheer chaos of it all. Yeah, and then, oh my god, we could still have, like, Jerry Parks as the only human. That would be amazing. (laughs) Although, would that kind of break continuity in the Bear in the Big Blue House universe because there's no humans? Uh, Well, unless you count, like, the kids sections, but... (laughs) Well, yeah. Also, Matt, I'm curious to hear this. I'm curious to hear your history with this given special, considering that you picked it for the show. Oh, I have a long history with this special. My family, I mean, we had this, like, we taped the show... When it fared, it was like a whole marathon of Playhouse Disney's uh, Christmas specials. Like, you know, um, you had uh, um, the various Roly Polioli Christmas episodes. You had Out of the Boxes oh, holiday nice. episode. Uh, the Ice Moose from PB&J Otter. And, of course, A Berry Bear Christmas. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> the only Playhouse Disney Christmas special I really remember, and it's a very vague memory, is the Out of the Box one. And I guess... I guess the reason why is because instead of having the usual three kids on the show per episode, they had five. <gasps> Holy shit. But two more kids. <laughs> Fucking oh, cool. mind-blowing, man. <laughs> ah! <laughs> All the kids are taking over the universe. Yeah! Right <laughs> in the box. Oh, my God. They're up in the ante with this one, you guys. The box can't handle it. And then it all just collapses on them and they're dead. The end. Can I mention something interesting? You know, tying into this, um, this is the second time we're talking about something in a Disney-themed podcast about the gift of the Magi. Because the Out of the Box oh, yeah. holiday special, for their story time, they did the gift of the Magi. And if you listen to Escape from Vault Ooh. Disney, the latest episode on Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas, you'll find that they talk about an episode where Mickey and Minnie do the gift of the Magi. Oh, yeah, yeah that and then was... they go in a long delve of capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely my first exposure to Gift of the Magi. And I really need to watch that special because it's been so... I watched it incessantly as a kid, and I really yes. want to revisit it now. 
just to see how it holds up. My first exposure to Gift of the Magi was actually Christmas Eve on Sesame Street, and I remember just being so fucking... Right after I watched that special for the first time, I was like, oh my god, I love Mr. Hooper, he's so nice. Then I find out he's dead in the show, and I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. So, Matt, you were what were you saying about your history with the special? I had it taped off the TV for many years. I watched that for many years. But um, I think in, like, either 2009 or 2010... I was at Goodwill and I found the official VHS version of Bear in the Big Blue House. And holy shit! Ever since then, um, I've made it a tradition to watch it every Christmas Eve. Absolutely. As you should. Goodwill's a fucking treasure trove of tapes. I swear to God. I think this year I'm gonna end up watching it twice. Once to keep the tradition alive, and I actually watched it yesterday so I could take notes for the uh, podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah. Speaking of Goodwill, I just have to brag super quick about my Goodwill find. Yes. Yeah. A 1984 VHS of The Empire Strikes Back. Holy fuck, you yes. are the original! No special you know- edition, oh my God. no CGI. This is like raw dogging Star Wars right here. <laughs> Fucking That's yes. So cool. The closest thing I can have to uh, an original copy of Star Wars is the 1995 reissue. This is like the last major reissue before George Lucas started doing the special editions. Aww. <laughs> you could also get it on uh, the RCA CED, which now Betamax CED and old ass VHS tapes are the only way to watch the despecialized editions. <laughs> Aww. You know, I know that it's like impossible to find now, but I kind of want one of those boxes they originally sent when they didn't actually have the Star Wars toys when they first started developing them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, we should probably get into the episode. <laughs> We should talk about how the special starts, and it starts with a song. And not just any song, it's a Berry Bear Christmas theme song. Oh, we are having a Berry Bear Christmas. It's our favorite time of year. And our favorite thing about a Berry Bear Christmas is that... Hey, you're here! (laughs) Come on in! That song is just so fucking catchy. It is. Every song for this show is honestly always great. And it's amazing that this show can be the most heartwarming thing and also have an episode where Ojo canonically shits on the floor. Is <laughs> <laughs> anyone here a member of the um, uh, Mystic Order of the Toiletiers? <laughs> <laughs> So it starts the episode off with Bear and all the other characters and their family members setting up for the tree and everything and just getting all the decorations set up. And it's a very it's a very cute way to spice things up and get the episode started, I think. And then it's also I noticed that this was also definitely filmed during one of the later seasons where they introduced more of Woodland Valley to people. Oh yeah, because it has some of the newer characters. Like uh one character that came to mind to me is Lois, the hard of hearing phone operator. Yeah, Lois, the red-footed booby phone operator. Hey, Lois, remember the time you were a blue-footed booby? <laughs> <laughs> Lois, you're a, you're my favorite booby. <laughs> Speaking of birds, uh, it's a booby. You haven't heard? Oh well, I've heard. Well played. We walked right into that one, guys. Obligatory Channel KRT Family Guy reference. <laughs> and also Lois's thing is that she tends to be kind of forgetful, so she's kind of... I like how they handle it, that it's never annoying. She's forgetful, but they know how to balance it, so it's like, oh, but I'm, but I'm not Barry, <laughs> or something like that. 
I wouldn't say it's forgetful as much as it is hard of hearing. Probably, yeah. I relate hard to that. <laughs> we also have other characters like Doc Hogg, the local physician slash Santa impersonator. <laughs> as we'll later get to. Santa Hog? <laughs> oh, we're gonna, I'm pretty sure we're going to talk a lot about that oh, when yeah. that one comes out. <laughs> we also see uh, Grandma Flutter, who isn't voiced by Alice Dineen in this, in this one, but she's voiced instead by, let me see... Yeah, she's voiced by Vicky Eibner. And uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, she was Ojo on the show. Oh, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe Alice Dineen was busy doing another movie or something? Because I know this was released the same year as two big Muppet movies, so maybe she was off doing one of those. Who knows? So the weird thing about this intro is that it kind of sets it up like everyone's already there and celebrating... But then the moment Bear opens the door, everybody except for the kids are gone. <laughs> and they don't really show up for the rest of the first part, but they show up a little bit in the second part. It's just, it's, it's, it, it was weird to me. I didn't really understand it, but okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I treated a lot like that scene in Rocco where he's like, what was everybody singing? Oh, we rehearse every Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the flyers? They all just get together to sing, and then Bear just throws them the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> Bear's like, okay, y'all, you're fired, all of you. Get home. <laughs> Except you. You can stay. <laughs> Be like, here, go in the closet. Go in the closet. Come on. <laughs> Our closet's big enough. Go in. Go in. <laughs> Say hi to Shadow. Bear, I have Bam. to go to the bathroom. Quiet, you. <laughs> <laughs> you saw what Ojo did. No, okay. <laughs> okay, so Bear does open the door, and we get the usual Bear Smells You segment, which is basically just baby's first ASMR, but it's also very uncomfortable. Yeah, try telling that to my younger self, because when, when I was a kid, according to family lore, when I was a kid, I would always run up to the screen in order to be sniffed. Aww. Yeah, aww. That's, that is wholesome, but to me, it just kind of seems like Bear is just sniffing you without consent yeah. <laughs> and in this one he says that we smell like uh like mistletoe or something like that mistletoe and holiday cookies and wrapping paper and then he says maybe you're getting festive too or you just smell like this all the time ah! bear listen i'm very sorry man but i'm taken and i i just don't like you in that way man you got to respect that I get, I understand it gets very lonely in the big blue house, but come on, man. My dog, actually, that's just straight up how he says good morning is he Aww. goes right up to your face and he just sticks his nose right at your mouth and starts smelling. <laughs> good kipper. Meanwhile, my bunny just hops on my bed and then he starts digging me saying, banana time. <laughs> Aww. So Bear probably just is doing what he thinks is appropriate in his probably closely related to a dog mind. With dogs, that's just socially acceptable to start randomly sniffing each other's mouths. I was always kind of of two minds on the sniffing thing, because on one hand, I had severe scopophobia when I was a kid, so I hated whenever characters were staring right at the audience or close-ups of eyes. Like, for some reason, as much as I love Disney movies, whenever they pull close-ups of eyes, I was like, eh, I don't like Ugh. that. <laughs> And so then whenever Bear would do the sniffing, I'd just be like, Guys, gonna eat me! Oh no! Turn it off, turn it off! And then i just throw a remote into the TV. Eh, still not as scary as Barney, I'll say that much. I probably, I probably liked those parts more as a kid, but now it's just kind of, yeah. You can cut out this joke if it's too dark, but I have to say it. Insert Timothy Treadwell reference here. 
Oh. <laughs> oh, low blow, Randy. Low blow. Obligatory dark joke. <laughs> Could I do a dark joke too? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, go ahead. We're talking about the unfortunate implications of um, bear sniffing people. And all I got to say is, why don't you have a seat right over here? <laughs> I feel like a drunken dick watching Bear in the Big Blue House is just gonna hold up a bunch of cocaine to the screen and be like, here you go, Bear! <laughs> There's a story about bears and cocaine, actually, oh, that God. I just gotta sell real quick. So I guess in 1981 or so, like in the 1980s, this drug lord had an airplane that he crashed in the middle of the woods and, you know, he died. And oh. all of this cocaine got in the woods. And near the cocaine, they found a bear. And they did an autopsy on the bear and found that there was just so much fucking cocaine in this bear. The bear got into the coke stash and started eating it and smelling it and everything. So for that bear's short lifespan, he was probably the most dangerous creature. He is taxidermied. Cocaine bear is taxidermied and at some mall in like Kentucky, I think. Is that where the uh, cocaine bear meme comes from? Yeah, probably. Coke bear lives on. (laughs) And that, kids, is the side of Woodland Valley that they'd never show you. (laughs) The more you know. After the discomfort of being sniffed by bear. Yeah, Pip and Pop come in with the reindeer reef. And they're like, you know, there's the whole argument about who's going to do what and everything. As a kid, I thought, you know, why are they arguing about this? When I was a kid, we just let the adults do everything. (laughs) i'm like wow kids who actually want to help out i'm like they have a little too high of expectations (laughs) yeah you'll get their sport let's be honest with ourselves for a second pip and pop definitely grew up to be stoners yes Yes. (laughs) (laughs) it's or at least some sort of adhd because the way that they're just so hyperactive I kind of love that they're just like, like we got so many things for the reindeer, including including tennis balls if they want to play. And I'm like, <laughs> we need a bear reboot with Pip and Pop as Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, Pop, you want to get some clowns? <laughs> Woodland Hills presents Frog Baseball. Except it's not throwing frogs at a baseball bat. It's just actual frogs playing baseball. <laughs> I mean, they do have a frog in this universe, so... <laughs> Here lies Pop. He never scored. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the the frog's name is Jeremiah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And, oh my god, uh, this... Oh wait, no, Jeremiah was the tortoise. Yeah. Um, nope, it's <laughs> yeah, it was, literally just it was Big Old Bullfrog. Huh, okay. Yeah, Big Old Bullfrog performed by Peter Linz. Also worth noting, too, because I'm looking at this on Disney.Fandom.com, a lot of the animal characters were actually recycled from Jim Henson's animal show. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I think one of the bunnies that shows up in a later dance sequence, he looks so much like Bean that it threw me for a loop. I was like, huh, did they just secretly sneak Bean in here? <laughs> like, Oh, wow, here's, they- a, here's a weird credit. Uh, for the Daytime Emmy Awards in 2000, this show was tied as the winner with Bill Nye the Science Guy and Future Topic, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show. Oh, shit. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> really? Funny how that works. So then it cuts to them all saying, okay, we're going to go beat Santa Claus. And then Bear's just very... Oh, wait, wait. We got to talk about the Holiday for Everyone song. And uh, can I just say that I freaking love how this show talks about all the holidays, like you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. 
You know, yes. you, you just know that far right pundits would be all over the show for promoting happy holidays and you know holidays other than Christmas. Also, like the happy holidays thing, I swear to God, everyone was totally fine with happy holidays until like sometime in the mid two thousands, and that's what everyone like like before that. Everyone was saying happy hol. It was in a freaking Bing Crosby song. He's saying happy holidays, and nobody got their nuts in a twist until Fox News decided to make an issue out of it. <laughs> the whole thing about the holidays being too PC, I mean, that's that's as far back as the not as the early 90s, because, you know, you remember um, uh, Merry Christmas, If That's Okay, from Mystery Science Theater 3000? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Let us all now sing our praises to the Lord today. Although you may not share our belief system, which is perfectly okay. They're probably also going to get their panties in a knot over the obligatory holiday episode of the Weird Al show. Because they're probably going to be all like, oh, it celebrates every holiday. It's like, well, you said all lives matter, so don't all holidays matter? Leave it to the right wing to turn such a lovely and warm statement as Merry Christmas into something full of vitriol. Like, you're not saying it because you want to wish someone a Merry Christmas anymore. You're saying it because you think you're edgy. <laughs> but thankfully, there is no Steven Crowder in this special. Yay! So. <laughs> Huzzah. And by the way, jokes on them. Noah McNeil is a hard leftist. Hell yes. yeah. <laughs> Woo! Go no! Yeah. We really don't deserve Noah McNeil. He is a national treasure. It's just, he absolutely I love is. Dude. And by the way, uh, tangent... Thanks to you guys, I am going to say happy closing credits at midnight in a few days. Yeah! <laughs> happy closing credits to this terrible ass year. <laughs> and the channel KRT episode on SARS COVID 19 is now static. <laughs> and we'll be saying happy cl- closing credits to the Trump administration on January 20th. So, huzzah! Huzzah! So they all just sit down together and pip and pop basically get everyone asking if they can go see Santa. Yeah, but first, like, you know, they say, like, you know, we're happy to spend the holidays with you. They actually tell the audience they're happy to spend Christmas with them, and they actually, you know, they wave to the audience, and, you know, that's really sweet. Yeah. Oh, you know what I forgot to mention? In this segment where Bear's talking about all the other holidays that people celebrate, he talks about how there's this bear-specific tradition that he celebrates called... The Winterberry. Yeah, Matt, you can explain this better than I can. Why don't we explain it when we get to the part where they sing about it in part two? Yes. Yeah, I mean, if you want to, that's fair. You know, it's also kind of interesting that in this special, while they don't hint that Santa doesn't exist in this universe, they never actually show him. Like, after the kids are all like, oh, we're going to meet Santa, the bear's like, oh, we don't know if we're going to meet Santa, but we're going to meet one of Santa's helpers. And then Santa Hog, Santa Hog? And it was kind of funny to me that they never referenced Santa again after that. I mean, after the big sequence, of course. Around the mid-aughts, yeah, a lot of people were starting to say, you know, maybe we should try to start being honest with kids. That, Well, it was kind of a mixture of both. Let's be honest with the kids. Santa isn't real. Or it's also like, oh, the kids aren't going to be, aren't going to think Santa is real, but uh-oh, magical thing. It's like, like in Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas. I really never questioned the fact whether or not Santa was real at that point where I was watching Bear in the Big Blue House. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just assumed, you know, it really was Santa, and people mentioning Santa's helpers around me kind of got me a little suspicious, so. Yeah. <laughs> like, if anything, they're, I guess, kind of implying at this point that Santa might not be real. Which, by the way, is Santa a human in this universe? Because 
There's no humans in this universe at all. It's all animals. What kind yeah. of animal would Santa Claus be? Maybe uh, a polar bear, like in DuckTales? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah polar bear. That would be good. <laughs> I just noticed this is like the second special we've done that kind of implies that Santa's not real. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not that they outright say he isn't, because in Arthur's Perfect Christmas, they make it clear Santa isn't real in their universe, but like... At least in Arthur's Perfect Christmas, that shows a little bit for the older kids, so they can kind of get away with that if they wanted to. I guess it's more so that he's never brought up or never part of the plot, which honestly I appreciate. because it's I like, mean, they do bring Santa up, but it's a little ambiguous. But yeah. while they don't get to meet Santa Claus, they get to meet Santa Hog. Santa Hog? Santa Hog. And this leads into one of my favorite songs in the whole show, That's All I Want for Christmas. Let me say this about the song. Never before has rampant consumerism sounded so awesome. Huzzah! On a side note, I really fucking wanted at least one of them to just lose their shit and be like, Did you fuck my mom, Santa? Did you fuck my mom, Santa? (laughs) Just fucking go eight. Trilo just goes batshit crazy and just bites santa hog in his jugular vein (laughs) in terms of the always sony universe i think i think uh i think tutter would be charlie yes Uh, yes uh, pip and pop would be mac and dennis respectively trilo would be rickety cricket i take it bear would be the only sane man uh who's the only sane man of always sunny there really isn't one there yeah (laughs) i guess frank but even still yeah he's yeah who would frank be in this universe that's the question bear he's like the only sane man among the group because you know he's looking after the kids and everything i want to say it would be bear but bear's too tall for the role i think i don't know I, i i really like the idea of bear going Okay, guys, we gotta write a song about how we definitely don't diddle kids. <laughs> Do not diddle kids. It's no good diddling kids. Bear's like, I'm the trash bear. I eat from the garbage. <laughs> bear, I just want to. I I want to hear Bear say, uh, I wouldn't do it with anyone younger than my daughter. <laughs> Oh, God. This is a podcast covering kids' shows. Remind me. My daughter, something like that. Huzzah! While we're talking about the song, I do want to mention that there is actually some pretty decent background gags. Since this is a mall set, there actually are some storefronts. And two of the spoof names that I found that actually kind of amused me a bit Bass and Robin's Ice Cream Parlor, and Big Harry Trip's Travel Agency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always kind of love seeing more of Woodland Valley and seeing all the parodies they come up with. Like I said earlier, how at one point there's a movie theater in town while Hog and Bear are looking around for donations for library books, and they're like, oh, Ben Harry's playing, and then Hog just runs into the theater <laughs> There was one episode where Doc Hogg and Ojo go to see a parody of, like, you know, the Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers shows. I mean, it was, it was an episode I remember called Great Ball of Firefighters. And, it was, oh. and, and in that episode, I'm, uh, you know, they go see a parody of the Ginger Rogers. I don't know. If, I wouldn't say so much as Fred Astaire. It's more like a parody of the sweeping romantic films of, like, the 20s and stuff. Basically, it's a whole episode about not living up to expectations because, you know, Tutter thinks the, the Ball of Firefighters is going to be terrible because he can't do the dance that all the other mice in school are doing. And Ojo thinks it's going to be like, you know, the romantic stuff seen in the movies. So it's on the whole thing is like, you know, it's not going to live up to expectations. Just 
go in with an open mind and you'll have fun. One more side note. I remember there was an episode where, like, one of their cousins, I think, comes to visit and he's, like, extremely bossy and, like, a little shit. And Rock so then and they Rocco, take him to... I think it was. <laughs> yeah, that one. I oh, think yeah. it's lost now. But, yeah, then they go all to, all to the movies and see a movie about a bunny. And then the whole time Rocky's just yelling, BORING! It's like, or something. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my god. Bon Bon has some words. Bond's like, not enough bananas, zero stars. <laughs> oh, have you guys ever seen something called Galley the Alligator? No. Oh, rings a bell. So it's it's basically a French commercial for a crime channel. So basically what it is, it's supposed to be like a bear in the big blue house type show with this giant alligator Muppet. And he's walking around. All the, all the smaller creatures are greeting him. And he just starts tearing them apart and just fucking eating them and shit and it is it's basically muppet gore there is like straight up muppet blood and organs and shit and it is something i need to first of all alligators are like my favorite animal so (laughs) giant muppet i'm looking it up right now and i love the design of this alligator so much anyway coming soon the channel krt the galley the alligator episode We still gotta tackle those when we do mini episodes. Yes. (laughs) Um, There's one thing about the song that I've noticed too about the number is that Santa Hog is joined by a reindeer. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the reindeer, it's at certain points in the song, just looks like it just doesn't want to be there, and it knows that its sole purpose of its existence is just to be a Christmas stereotype. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel so bad for that reindeer. It probably just went into the break room after that song and dance number and just downed a whole bottle of vodka. Which, on a side note, is that reindeer like the others? Can it speak? Or is it like an actual animal in this universe? It's like, is it the goofy It's probably complex? one of those you-have-to-be-seen-and-not-heard kind of situations, I think. There were bees on the show. I mean, there were bees. You know, the bees make honey for bear, but they didn't yeah. speak. And, uh... Only a select few birds could talk, like, you know, I'm a Lois. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Matt, what happens next? Um, oh, yeah, so after they go see Santa Hog, you know, they come home, they get some cocoa, and then we go into the first shadow sequence. And uh, what I like about this is, like, you know, Shadow's the one who sings to Bear. You know, she's the one who goes, you know, oh, where, oh, where, oh, where is Bear? Oh, where, oh, where, oh, where is Bear? Well, she's not in the foyer. Where, where, oh, where is Bear? She's singing our song. Maybe she's outside. Shadow? Where are you, you furry old fellow? Shadow! Yeah, that was a nice little segment. I was like watching that, I was like, wait a minute. This isn't what usually happens. That's a nice way to break tradition. It's rather nice for a Christmas special. Also, before that, there's a kind of a funny joke where they're all sitting at the table together, and uh, I think it's Tutter that says this. He's like, hey, uh, that Santa Hawk guy kind of looked familiar. <laughs> They fucking know. He's literally named Santa Hog. How could they miss that? You know, it's obviously Old Doc Hog. You know, that should have tipped him off. Santa Hog. Funny enough, Santa Hog is actually the name of my Van Halen tribute band. (laughs) (laughs) Today, the role of Santa Hog will be played by Steven Tyler. (laughs) And Derek Smalls is now played by Kelsey Grammer. (laughs) I still can't believe fucking Steven Tyler was on Lizzie McGuire. What the hell was that? Oh, and in the the spirit of the holiday, he was in the Polar Express. Holy fuck, that terrifying elf. (laughs) Jesus Christ. The the real reason for the season is Steven Tyler. Huzzah. (laughs) 
Jingle bells, jingle bells. Yeah, Rock and Roller Coaster needs a Christmas theme. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, we get the first of two shadow segments since this is a two-parter. In this segment, she talks about Kwanzaa and she tells a story about it, which... Matt, you can take the lead on this one. Well, it's not really so much a story as much as a song describing what Kwanzaa's like. Yeah, it's kind of interesting kind of seeing it more presented as a celebration rather than just an explanation, which which I really appreciate. I think it's a good way to say, hey, we can kind of introduce the holidays to the kids and they can do their own research. It's kind of neat. You know, I do want to say this was a better explanation of Kwanzaa than it was in... Arthur's Perfect Christmas, because Arthur's Perfect Christmas kind of treated it as an afterthought. Yeah. Yeah. They- Especially with the fact that Steven Crowder himself yeah. <laughs> is play- is supposed to be playing a-, a character of color, and he's explaining Kwanzaa. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. I should have complained more about that in the episode, but like... That's like trying to get Rush Limbaugh to explain Ramadan. <laughs> also, I'm probably wrong, and I really hope I'm wrong here, but... I feel like some of the voices in this Kwanzaa segment sounded a bit too white for my liking. To our ancestors, Harambi, let's all pull together. Today is Kumba, the day of creativity. This is fruit and corn on the Makaka mat. Mmm, sweet potato pie. Jumbo, jumbo. They were. A yeah. little bit, yeah. but like, I will, yeah. I will give them that they were trying, I guess. <laughs> for the shadow segments, all the non-shadow voices, you know, Taramuni doing um, shadow, all the, all the other voices were done by a guy named John Ludwig. He's a guy who works for the uh, Center for Puppetry Arts in Georgia, and so he designed and performed all the, um, uh, and co-wrote even all the shadow sequences along with, you know, Peter Lurier and Taramuni. So that's why all the black shadow characters sound white, because they were voiced by a white guy. Okay. <sighs> yeah. By the way, we stand the Proud Family Kwanzaa episode. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, I feel like I heard a lot more about Kwanzaa as a kid in, like, kind of the late 90s, early 2000s than I do now. Like, it feels more like it kind of became more of an afterthought in, like, recent holiday stuff. And I'm like, yeah. what the hell? What's What's going on? I'm white, too, so it's not really my place to say whether there's more or less of it. But yeah, it feels like the only time I've really seen it referenced again in pop culture was like Kwanzaabot and Futurama. I do remember Blue's Clues, like many years back, did a Christmas special where they had a person of color explain what Kwanzaa was. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. My two main exposures were we learned a lot about holiday stuff in elementary school. Like, we didn't do just Christmas stuff. We also did, like, Hanukkah-themed activities and Kwanzaa-themed activities. So I learned a lot there. And then, of course, you know, there was uh, the Proud Family Kwanzaa episode, which I love, by the way. <laughs> Plus, Rugrats did a Kwanzaa episode. I thought they did. I didn't know Rugrats did. I know they did the Passover episode, which... Uh, By the way, Rugrats walked so Prince of Egypt could run. It's true, and you should say it. (laughs) Ironically, the Rugrats movie came out the same year as Prince of Egypt, so it all gets deeper. Also, I want to ask, so I was curious after watching this Shadow segment because I realized we've never actually seen what the Shadow Puppet looks like. So I have with me right now a photo of the Shadow Puppet uh, let me just share the screen real quick. Huh. It looks like it's covered in Cheeto dust. Yeah. <laughs> ah! Where are her eyes? I don't know how I feel. <laughs> what is that? I'm not going to lie. Part of me was expecting 
just like a fully formed Muppet with actual features. Like I was expecting her to look a little bit like Prairie Dawn, I guess. For for the listener, we're going to post this on Twitter, but the Shadow Puppet does kind of have facial features sculpted out, but otherwise it's all just an orange Muppet and it basically looks like it's covered in cheese. And I don't know <laughs> if I should be terrified by this or not. I, I, I don't like that it has facial features, but no eyes. She's basically the design of similar to like the Swedish chef and Mumford the Amazing. Well, there's my new sleep paralysis demon. So yeah, I do like that shadow segment about Kwanzaa. I just wish that it wasn't so whitewashed. Yeah, they should have gotten yeah. a black actor to do the voices. Yeah, it's like even Futurama got one. Yeah, it's like... For a show that's like so tolerant and open, it just kind of sucks that they would, like, have to whitewash the voices, but I guess they had the mentality of, oh, they're kids, they're not gonna notice, they're not gonna care. But we noticed, and we cared. At least they're trying. It's the bare minimum, but it's at least a decent explanation of Kwanzaa. Oh, don't you mean the bare minimum? (laughs) Waka waka. So then it cuts to, like, all the kids just arguing because fucking Trilo is being a selfish little shit and stealing oh, everybody's presents. And I presents. love the mood whiplash between that segment and then, you know, like, oh, look, it's snowing! It's snowing! Ah, the holidays. It's so peaceful. Trilo, you can't do that! <laughs> Trilo is a little shit. Trilo <laughs> truly is the gunch. <laughs> it's fuck Trilo hours in this house, y'all. I'm sorry for any Trilo apologists out there, but... You know what? He's cute, but he's not cute enough to get away with that shit. Again, tying into the Santa Claus thing, I think this scene, like, you know, ties, it's rampant consumerism. Honestly, can I put this to a poll? I mean, how bad are they compared to the Who's from the 2000 Grinch? Bad. They're still better, because, like, the 2000s Grinch are, like... At least this special doesn't have Jeffrey Tambor in it. Yeah, because, you know, the kids, they start out just as materialistic as these Who's. And there's even a bit where, like, Bear's like, you know, guys, um, there's more to the holidays than just getting presents. And he and they just laugh. <laughs> then it's like, you just sang a song about all you want for Christmas. It's just a shitload of things. Well, I guess because the whole episode is kind of about the message of giving, which, fair enough, but it's like... <laughs> Long ago, in a faraway land, there was a prosperous studio run by a middle-aged CEO. In an era of princesses and flashy musical numbers, the studio decided to go in a different direction, and thus their most unique creation was born, and they called it The Emperor's New Groove. But The Emperor's New Groove is more than just one movie. There's an entire expanded Grooveverse out there, and I intend to explore it all, on the Emperor's new podcast. Hi, I'm Micah Hirsch, and I'll be your host on this whimsical journey as I'm joined by special guests to discuss every corner of this underrated franchise, from movies to television to theme parks. You can hear all about it on the Emperor's new podcast, available on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Be sure to stop by and give it a listen, and remember, beware the groove! You ready to dive into the main meat of this episode? Oh, I'm ready. Are you ready for some heartbreak? Oh, we're getting sad in this bitch. The kid's rampant materialism is interrupted by a lonesome howl. They open the back door to reveal Jack. Yeah, Jack's in the snow and he's like... Jack is a homeless dog. And it is just the moment you meet Jack and you see him out. 
suffering in the snow, like just nearly freezing to death. It's just so like you were Matt, you were talking about mood whiplash right earlier. This is the real fucking whiplash. God. So they bring him into the house and they do this actually really cool transition where Bear passes the camera to pick him up. And then the next shot is Bear passing the camera again. And they're in the house and Jack is on the couch. That was some auteur shit right there. That was a nice transition. Yeah, because I remember as a kid, I remember seeing that scene and being like, holy fuck, is he dead? Jesus. Like, that was, like, as dark as Playhouse Disney is ever gonna get. Literally, yeah, I guess. But, like, at least you know Jack turns out okay. Yeah, it's a good balance, and then... And I like Jack. He's a very good character. I don't think he shows up after this two-parter, which is... Uh, he does, he does. He he, he does? They, they pretty much make him a recurring character in season four. Oh, you thank know, God. Four, oh, okay. uh, for those nice. of you who don't know, there was like a three-year gap between Barry Barry Christmas. There was the final episode of season three in 1999. Then in 2002, they did season four, which they retooled the whole show almost, where they showed more of woodland valley it was like jack and bear became firefighters tutters started going to school oh my god yeah i just saw that on the muppet (laughs) wiki that is so cool oh my god that's awesome that is so beautiful Uh, i noticed about his voice he almost sounds identical to like jim henson's ralph voice oh my god he kind of does yeah he does it's a very muppety voice absolutely and like if if jim if jim was alive he would have done this voice i think he absolutely would have. A little bit of Uncle Traveling Matt in there as well. But yeah, I do love Jack, and we do get some explanation about his character, because it turns out that Jack is homeless, and he keeps getting thrown out from home to home, which... Assholes exist in this universe, you guys. Yeah, it's like... It's even more fucked up when he's supposed to be a kind of... Well, animal. all animals are basically the humans in this universe, so it's already god-awful enough when people are doing it to a regular dog. It's it's even more fucked up when you realize this is a person. Holy shit. And they talk about, like, the reason Jack gets thrown out of the house is because he keeps digging up yards, which is a dog stereotype, but if you kind of, like, think of the human aspect of it, Jack probably is self-destructive in some ways. Yep. Which kind of adds to the heaviness of it. Or he's a grave robber. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) One of the first lines he says that kind of got a little bit existential for me was, I hope this is heaven. Otherwise. Oh, Oh, it's okay. It's okay. So, hell exists in this universe, kids. Yeah, no kidding. I guess if Christianity <laughs> exists in this universe, if Christmas exists. Yeah, Christianity, exists, Judaism. Bearstianity. The civil rights movement. Is there a bear Trump? Oh, God, no. <laughs> There's already an Oscar version of Trump, so, and a grouch version of Trump. <laughs> well, it's okay, guys. He's out of office now. We're going to get Joe Baird in. Huzzah. <laughs> And so, yeah, then I really like how the kids have genuine questions. They're like, wait, what does homelessness mean? Because it's not easy to explain homelessness to a kid because the situation around homelessness is way more fucking complex than you think. Because there's also an argument that we explain to kids, oh, it's just something that happens. It's nothing no one can control. And it's like, it can be controlled if we didn't live with capitalism. But it's like, but that's not the focus, obviously. It's more so how do we help and how do we make 
make sure that we can help one step at a time. And whether you agree that it should be up to us to stop homelessness and we shouldn't be pushing for more, hey, it's the billionaire's fault. But what I like about it is that they know how to go one step at a time with it without it feeling condescending, which is nice. If everyone minds, um, I'd like to say a few things about, because we're just about to get into super duper like gut-wrenching moments because you know i have to talk about what if yes oh my god oh god yeah that was such a heavy fucking scene i need to say something to the listeners out there i am the person who rarely cries at media so it should say a lot that what if always gets me to cry every single time i hear it same oh dude i am a very sporadic crier I was emotional over this. I didn't cry. I didn't cry over The Lion King, but I cried over that stupid fucking Disney World commercial where they're trying to teach the little baby to walk and then she walks up to Aww. Mickey. Oh. So, I don't know what's going on with my emotions. I cried <laughs> at that one where the duck is trying to find the comic yeah. book and then at the end he meets Donald. Oh. But then I watched The Lion King and I'm like, eh. <laughs> All right, I have some stories about what made me cry as a kid, so... Okay, so there's this Disney sing-along songs video called Very Merry Christmas Songs that I watched so much as a kid, and I'm pretty sure that those sing-along tapes were what got me to the point of being such a Disney stan, but I digress. Anyway, there's a version of Joy to the World that's paired with some of the Nutcracker suite footage from Fantasia that never fails to get me bawling. It is just such a beautiful segment. I remember that... Like, I can't really explain what brings me to it, but it is just such... To three-year-old me, that was just, like, the most beautiful goddamn thing I've ever seen. I had that! Watching it today as an adult gives me goosebumps. Like, it doesn't get me as emotional, but it's still very beautiful. And there's also... uh, There's also the song from Snowden at the House of Mouse. The best Uh, Christmas of all? Yeah, Snowden, the best Christmas of all. That is just, there was someone in one of Tony's Facebook groups, uh, I forget their name, but shout out to them. Kyle Blanchett. They mentioned that that song gets some emotional as well, and they mentioned the reason that it might be is because that's just like every single canon Disney character singing it once. And I can kind of get it, but like, it's just very emotional altogether, really. Um, by the way, I'm um, speaking of Very Merry Christmas songs, not the most beautiful moment in that tape is for me. It's near the end of the tape. Picture this. A beautiful acapella arrangement of Silent Night set to the Ave Maria oh, segment from shit. Fantasia. Yes. Oh, yeah. And plus, they set it up so that way when they sing Christ the Savior is Born, the sun That's rises. Badass. Oh, my God. God, it's just the people who edited those sing-along songs knew exactly what they were doing. So, just, folks, if you haven't seen the Disney sing-along songs, Merry Christmas songs video, Go watch it. And the 12 Days of Christmas, you know, that ends with, like, a whole group of people, like, you know, not only the Disney characters, but, like, guests in the park. They are all joining hands and singing, we wish you a Merry Christmas. And, you know, there's confetti. They, you know, they do a thing where, you know, they have, like, the confetti taped to their hands. They let it go. There's fireworks. Everyone's down below. They're cheering and clapping. I think that tape kind of contributed to my childhood belief that Disneyland is not real. I had the Disneyland (laughs) fun sing-along tape, and I seriously thought Disneyland was, like, a fictional place, that it wasn't real. Yeah, they spent a lot of money on making sure it's a fictional place, and, like, you know, building all those rides and stuff. So imagine the mindfuck I experienced when I was five years old, and there's the castle, 
and there's Main Street. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, this is real? So anyway, so then the- What if? The what if song. I need to talk about that because basically the gist of the song is that Tutter gets upset thinking about Jack's situation and he thinks to himself, what if I didn't have the place that I live in, which is the big blue house? And it, it gets so deep. I think I read this somewhere. Mitchell Kriegman even said that the images of Tutter imagining being homeless, they were supposed to be an homage to uh, It's a Wonderful Life, you know, with George oh, Bailey. Yeah. They even do the black and white. I, I'm sorry, but the moment where you see Tutter, like, walking past the house and freezing in the cold, my heart fucking sunk. I mean, just the image uh, of the mouse hole being boarded up. I mean, like, you know, that hits you in the feels. Like, God, that was just so heavy. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's still a beautiful segment that they and they do a reprise of it with Jack later on. It's a very beautiful song, I gotta say. So I've set up the scale for our feels. On the very other end of the scale, you have the caterpillar death from Big Comfy Couch, where you're like, they were trying, but you know, I'm not really feeling any emotion towards this. (laughs) On the opposite end of the spectrum, we have Mr. Hooper died. So I would place this song probably right next to Mr. Hooper died. Because it is a real fear that kids can have because, yeah, even though I was explaining how homelessness is something we can't explain, it's also not always predictable. I guess it really depends on how you would rank this sort of thing. Like, are you ranking it based on it's sad and beautiful, or... I think the ranking is more like, is it tugging at your heartstrings? Is it making you think, ooh, this is, like, heavy as shit for a kid's show? Yeah. Whereas, the, like, like, because the caterpillar death, it's like, you had no emotional attachment to the caterpillar. You already know caterpillars have a lifespan of, like, two hours. <laughs> so when the caterpillar dies, even though they're trying to make you feel something, you're just kind of like, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> there was a fucking Barney episode where, like, Baby Bop got attached to a flower and then the flower died in the winter. <sighs> that was even more they tried, but of course they're like, uh-oh, we're a kid's show. We don't want to be honest about death. Okay, yeah. Ugh. You know what? That's that's below the Big Comfy Couch's Caterpillar episode. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. What you said about Big Comfy Couch being the lowest, Randy, I think the lowest would have to be the flower from Barney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Not on not only because it's a flower that wasn't even alive in the first place, but because it's Baby Bop and we're always going to be happy when she suffers. You know what? I stand Baby Bop, but I'll agree that that is below Big Comfy Couch Caterpillar. <laughs> Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs> so you do think it's good that she suffers. <laughs> Finally, welcome to our side. It's just because even as a kid, if I found a flower that I liked, if it died, I was just kind of like, oh, well, go in the trash. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, but like you said, Tyler, what if is sad and beautiful? Because, you know, it's sad at the beginning because Tutter's imagining what it's like to be homeless. But the beautiful, it's like, you know, Tutter wants to make a commitment and like, you know, I want to make things better for everyone. I want to be able to make sure homeless people are happy. You know, they have a nice place to live. And, you know, everyone in the house wants to work together to make sure Jack is comfortable. So that's where the beautiful part comes in. Especially when Bear is telling him, Tutter, the bear in the... I'm sorry, not not the bear, the big blue house. The big blue house isn't going anywhere. Yeah, that scene just... I don't know why, but that's the part that always just makes me bawl like a baby. It's like, because even though you don't know 100% for sure, you know that somebody is out there to protect you and make sure that they'll go out of your way. And that's the message overall. It's like, 
I was just like, damn bitch, stop making me cry at the Starbucks drive-thru. The beginning, I'm always misty-eyed, but then when he gets to, you know, How would you find me, bear? Would you look everywhere for- You can practically hear the desperation in Peter Lindsay's voice when he sings that. Reminder, this is the same guy who once said, I'm not a puppet, but I play one on TV. <laughs> The range. Oh my god, yeah, he was the live action guy in the puzzle place. And I gotta say, Tutter singing a song about how he's scared he's gonna be homeless hits a little too hard for someone living in the current economic oh, situation. Yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah, listening to that song nowadays makes the whole thing harsher in hindsight. Yay, I live, I live in one of the worst times to be in my 20s. <laughs> When we did the uh, Great Muppet Caper episode on Walt Disney, I mentioned that it's amazing how you can really feel for these characters while they can also balance the fun, goofy side. And it's really, really evident in this episode specifically. Absolutely. You watch these puppets and like these Muppets and Sesame Streets and Bear in the Big Blue House thing and you're like, these are socks. But they manage to make me feel every possible emotion that the brain can, you know, have in a spectrum. And they're socks. <laughs> it's okay to feel these things for socks. Then the next song after it, Just Listen. I love how this special is, it, I think it's one of the rare specials that really just tackles the atmosphere of Christmas. It's like, we always just forget to just soak in and breathe the atmosphere of the holiday. Then it really reminds you why why it sticks with us. Can I just get people caught up on the plot in between What If? So basically, after What If, the kids decide, why don't we let Jack stay with us for the holiday? So they ask him, he accepts, everyone's going to bed, but then Tutter... And Bear have a conversation where you're like, you were right, Bear. There is more to Christmas than just getting presents. It's nice that they know how to balance it, too, so there's not, like, there doesn't need to be a giant plot about it. It's just simply... They don't drop the message anvil on you. That's what I really appreciate about this special, is that the plot is simple. It's, like, it's very emotional, but it never goes too far. They're like, okay, let's just make a nice, simple story about allowing a homeless person to stay with us for the holidays and helping make the best Christmas ever for him, then... I'm gonna break the mood here, but... Can you guys imagine for a second Billy West at the beginning of this episode screaming the moral at you? <laughs> There's more to the holidays than just getting presents! Oh no, maybe if Al let that homeless dog stay in his house, he'd have a better Christmas. <laughs> just listen, I think this and What If are tied for my favorite songs from this special. Yes. Just... It's hard to choose. I know I said earlier that uh, what I Want for Christmas was my favorite song in the special, but it's so hard to pick, like, the real topper of the episode. It's also kind of nice just seeing the background that's just filled with snow, and then especially the fact that you get to hear another great song by Luna, and you get to hear Lynn Thigpen, and it's like, God, I miss her. Me too. Noel McNeil and Lynn Thigpen, when they sing in harmony, it's one of the most beautiful things ever. Absolutely. It really truly is. And fun fact, this is the only episode that I can actually think yeah. of that doesn't have the goodbye song. I mean, to be fair, it is a part one, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, um, can we talk about the transition between parts one and two? Because it, it differs depending on what you watch. Although I said at, at the beginning I taped A Very Bear Christmas off Disney Channel when it aired back when I was a kid. But they use the VHS version of that show, where it's just a simple transition. Luna goes down, Ray goes up. But if you watch part one... If you watch them separately, like you can on the Internet Archive, they open part two with a reprise of Fairy Bear Christmas. And then, also I should say, in part two, they actually have a whole separate subject matter. Because, you know, for part one and the 
uncut version are all about the holidays, but part two is all about tradition. Yeah, all about the, like how they talk about Hanukkah traditions, yeah. and they talk about the winter berry, and then... Before we get into the next episode, I do want to mention real quick that the version that I watched on archive.org has the closing credits, and that includes the Playhouse Disney announcements for the next episode, and I got to hear that nostalgic voice that I haven't heard in such a long time. Me too. Oh. Of Miss Grokey. Yeah, her. I swear to God, that is Jennifer Tilly. It is not, actually. It is a voice actress by the name of Alice Beasley, who, as Matt mentioned, oh, played neat. Mrs. Grokey in Recess. Well, damn, she's she's a good, she does a good <laughs> Jennifer Tilly impression. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to mention too, real quick, uh, that because because they're airing this the two parts back to back, the the way Alice Beasley announces it next is she says, "Up next, he thinks you smell good. <laughs> it's Bear in the Big Blue House." Uh, Bear, if you don't stop smelling me, I am gonna go ha- have to go to HR about this. First of all, it's kind of fitting that we're talking about Bear in the Big Blue House and you know sniffing and everything. I can imagine this show being sponsored by Chris Hansen's decoy houses because you know at least they're not homeless shelters and Jack's homeless. Ah! <laughs> Second of all, if you watch Berry Bear Christmas separately, instead of the Shadow Project dog, you know, barking twice, you just hear him go, Happy Holiday! in the Trilo voice. I just want to watch, like, a To Catch a Predator thing where the pedophile, like, walks into the big blue house. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Bear comes out, like, Why don't you have a seat right over there? <laughs> now, let me. Now, oh, no. why don't we bring out these chat logs? Oh, my God. <laughs> With that said, let's talk about part two, and it begins with the Woodland Valley Carols medley. Yeah, where they start just barging into people's houses to sing Christmas carols, <laughs> and they're like... And I mentioned earlier that a lot of the relatives that we saw in the first part's intro weren't in that episode. They are in this segment, and it's a banger of a segment. Yes. <laughs> and then there's a part where they're like, I'm fine, thank you. Can I come too? It's like, sure. And then they're all just gathering people from all over town to sing carols. And then at one point, like, Pip and Pop sing a version of Come All Ye Faithful, but with Come All Ye Otters. And then <laughs> That's how it begins. Oh, come all ye otters. are conveniently avoiding using the word Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we don't want to be controversial. (laughs) And later on, Doc Hogg does his, you know, Oh, little Woodland Valley, how still we see the lie. We're getting away with singing this song when I was talking about Bethlehem. That baritone. I I love Doc Hogg's voice, I gotta say. Yes. (laughs) We can't use religious references. Yeah, they actually used Silent Night in the underscore a few times. Yeah. (laughs) Also, whenever I think of the name Doc Hogg, I also think of Doc Hollywood. Is that supposed to be a shout out? For some reason, I keep thinking of Doc Ock from (laughs) Spider-Man. Yeah, that could also be it. Um, I was always kind of amazed that they never made like a reference to him meeting Miss Piggy or something or like remake Pigs in Space and he joins or something. Oh man, they really should have. I also keep thinking of that fucking old ass meme, Dr. Octagonopus. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, fucking Dr. Octagonopus The fucking shoop da whoop me I'm a firing my laser <laughs> Oh god I miss that era of internet so much God the internet <laughs> used to be fun Man remember when memes were a dancing banana and firing your laser and not 
racism. <laughs> no, mortal! I am the head of Colin Mockery. I have come <laughs> to grant you three wishes. Really? <laughs> no, my real purpose here is to fire my laser blow! <laughs> <laughs> Why is it Colin Mockery? What was Don Leak thinking? Why why Colin Mockery? Just because. <laughs> it's Flubber! It's gay. Speaking of Flubber, I think they actually have a prop from Flubber in the journey into imagination. Yeah, too? they do. Uh, Weebo. Oh my god, yeah. And they have, like, Robin Williams' character as a poster. <laughs> so, Robin Williams is canonically a member of the Imagination Institute and is therefore responsible for the abortion of Figment. Yeah. No. Robin, I love you, but I gotta hold you responsible for that one. <laughs> you guys remember when Escape from Walt Disney did the live tweet for the absent-minded professor? Yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. I even mentioned that during the live tweet, like, you know, we could have had Journey into Imagination with Robin Williams instead of Eric Idle. Literally. I, I love you, you Eric Idle, but that would have been, been so much better. better. But yes! Because, you know, Robin Williams, he's so much more a natural fit for, a, for an imagination-based ride. You know, he could have been bouncing off the walls. He could have been doing so much cool stuff. But instead, we got one of the biggest blunders in Disney theme park history. I gotta be honest, like, as much as you're right, Robin Williams' moon would probably not be much better than Eric Idle moon. Well, he technically was the moon in, um, uh, Baron Moonkhausen. Something, something, he's gonna joke about mooning us. So, um, uh, musical theater references, because Doc Hogg talks about Fiddler on the Wolf. And I swear, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you watch part two, the, just part two separately, when Bear's talking about traditions, he literally does the, you know, tradition, tradition. tradition. <laughs> Turns out Bear is actually one of those Broadway gays. Huzzah! <laughs> Bear is a gay icon, and we stand. Well, we, are, we already established he's he's married to Barney, so huzzah! Let Bear host the Tonys. Yes. <laughs> I would pay to see that. <laughs> he would demand SpongeBob the Musical get the Tonys it deserved. Yes, I. You know what? I'm I'm gonna make that a petition. I swear to God, let Bear the Big Blue House host it. You know what? I might go on Change.com right after this and actually do that. Please do. Please do. <laughs> you have to, Randy. Noel McNeil would strongly approve. So yeah, then they start to go look for the Winterberry. Oh, there was the Hanukkah segment before. Well, or they after. explained the Winterberry first, and uh, again, Noel McNeil, he sold this song like Billy May stole OxyClean. Yes. Oh my god. Hi, that... Noel McNeil here. The basic story of the Winterberry is, you know, there was a hungry bear, he found this bush with just one berry on it, he wished that the bush had more berries on it, but then another bear came along, and so he decided, here, you can have some of mine, you can have some of this berry, so he shared the berry with the bear, and because of this good deed, the bear's wish came true, and there were more berries on the bush. So the basic conceit behind the winter berry is, if you find it and make a wish, it'll come true. Apparently the berry only works on Christmas Eve. <laughs> uh, on Christmas Day, actually, because they go look for it on Christmas Day. Yeah. <laughs> so they went on a heist to get this big dinosaur, this magic dinosaur bone where they could have just found a bearberry, solved all their problems. <laughs> and then there's a fucking... I don't know if these are all over the United States, but here in the northeastern United States, in the springish time, sometimes on bushes, there'll be these little red berries that I used to love to just squish as kids. And I learned that you're not supposed to eat those berries because if you do, they could give you seizures. 
I was literally about to say that because I once, we have those types of plants out in my front yard at my parents' house, and I used to think those were berries. One time a kid tried to eat them, but then his parent made him spit it out, and thankfully he survived, but it was like, what would have happened if they, if she didn't notice? <laughs> at my house in Braintree, we had a bush full of those things, and... You know, as a kid, I just kind of subconsciously knew I shouldn't eat random berries that I find outside. So I would just, like, squish them in my hand just for funsies. Or, like, <laughs> pretend I'm making soup by, like, putting, like, dirt and sand and grass and those berries in a bucket and then stirring it all up. Yeah. <laughs> but I never <laughs> ate them. And I guess a friend told me years later that they cause seizures. So, oh, yeah, it turns out uh, bear berries, you're not supposed to eat them. They will give you a seizure. <laughs> Why not just call them seizure berries then? <laughs> it, it has a nice ring to it. You just eat one like, I wish I could get a new car. <laughs> Back where I come from, we actually call them choke cherries. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> also, one thing we got to mention about the winter berry segment is that there is two bears. Like, not just two different bear outfits, but two of the same bear that we know. Yeah, I wonder if they had to either do a mirror effect or if they had to do, like, kind of a make two bear costumes. I'd wager with split screen. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Probably to yeah. save time. But also, oh. I gotta make this reference. I'm seeing double here. Four bears. Yeah, because I know that later in an episode, there was an episode where this friend of bears who's a girl but Ursa. how she has a robe on how she has a flower in her hair and yeah i wonder if that was the same costume they used for her i know we all said bear's a gay icon but he and ursa clearly have a thing for each other yeah well, he's bi so bi yes he's good 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 getting by i figured out the name of the seizure berries by the way okay what? uh they're actually you berries <laughs> Y-E-W-U-Berries. -E berries And uh, it says here, the seed, the seed <laughs> in the berry will kill you. Huzzah! <laughs> Alright, where can I get one? The moral of the story, kids, is eat something that'll fucking kill you. <laughs> hey! Merry Christmas. The kids are wondering, what are we gonna get bear for Christmas? And Jack, he tells them, the best Christmas gifts we ever gave were the ones we made ourselves. And he says, we used to walk... 15 miles through the snow just to get our presents in. Really? No. <laughs> Jack's basically the anti-boomer in that situation. Because, you know, we've all heard the stories of how our grandparents used to say, you know, we have to walk 15 miles through the snow. Grandpa, why are you anti-things being better? <laughs> Jack says that if you spank your kids, they'll give you rabies. <laughs> Things weren't good for me when I was a kid, and they shouldn't be good for anyone else. Jack says, millennials do deserve the world. <laughs> Jack eats avocado toast. Wait, no, avocado's bad for dogs. Never mind. No! <laughs> Jack does not eat avocado toast. Do not give your dog avocado. Who would be an example of like a boomer that is like, he's with the millennials and the Gen Z. Who? What kind of boomer is that? Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. So Jack is the Jane Fonda of the Baron Dolly Hunter Parton. Universe. Jane Fonda, Dolly Parton, Mark Hamill. Yes. Carrie Fisher. R.I.P. Betty White. No, Betty White's not even a boomer. Betty White is like silent generation. She's timeless. She's just going to outlive us all. Huzzah. <laughs> so the kids decide to make Bear a present. And then Bear, he's upstairs. He's getting ready to bring the presents down. And then we get another shadow segment. This time all about Hanukkah. Huzzah. Yay! 
And then they sang the dreidel song, and that was a really nice little section. I especially like how they managed to really give a lot of expression to the silhouettes they use. It's really nice. By the way, um, they don't sing the traditional verse. They sing the first verse traditionally, but they I think they wrote the second verse specifically for this special. Because, you know, the second verse of the dreidel song is, you know, Oh, dreidel, 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 I made it out of clay. And, and this one, it's like, you know, it has a lovely body with legs so short and thin. Yeah, then it's like you also <laughs> have the dreidel talking about, Woo, I'm getting tired, woo! By the way, um, which shadow segment scared the crap out of you the most when you were a kid? Good question, actually. It's hard for me to say. I guess there was always something about the shadow segments that kind of unnerved me. Shadow's movements are very uncanny. I mean, I think that the puppet herself moves well, but the silhouettes can be kind of... They either move really well or they just look really creepy. It's. I mean, are we sure that Shadow isn't some sort of demon? That's what they reveal in the creepypasta. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Bear, something, something hyper-realistic blood, and he said something backwards, and when you put it forwards, it was, Ooga Booga, I'm Satan. <laughs> and the tape burst out on fire, and then I heard a knock on my door. <laughs> and then a skeleton popped out! And it was Russian text that said, uh, Bible verse. Psalm 42069. And the episode was called Bear Goes to Taco Bell. Bear Goes to Taco Bell dot exe. <laughs> you gotta have a dot exe in there or else it's not scary enough. Can I just say what Shadow Simon scared the crap out of me when I was a kid? For me... That honor goes to the Muffin Man. Yeah, that one that one might be my pick. That or the one they did for the toilet episode. But being a kid, like, you know, I'm autistic and I have, like, a very sensitive loud noises. So it's a Superman parody for Muffin Man. And so they gave it a bombastic announcer! So anyways, after the dreidel song, Shadow actually gives him a kiss first. They reprise, you know, what did I get for Christmas? A reworded version of the All I Want for Christmas song. Ojo gets a hat and a scarf. Like, you know, one for Snow Bear, one for her. That's what she says. Like, you know, one for Snow Bear, one for me. And then I'm a Pip and Pop. They get this robot clam from Mars. Yeah, I, thought, I remember seeing that. And for some reason, it reminded me so much of, I forgot the name of it, but it's that one Pokemon that's like a clam. And then you see its eyes or or like a crab. I found the picture of the robot clam. Can I share this? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Do it. Uh, I'll try to look up the clam Pokemon right now because I know who you're talking about. It's a crab experiment. <laughs> oh, kitty. Were you thinking of uh, Shelder for the Pokemon? Yes! Shelder, Shelder. Shelder, Shelder. and then there's uh, Cloyster. Cloyster looks very inappropriate. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> this is what the robot clam looks like. Oh, <laughs> nice! Yeah, that... <laughs> you know what that reminds me of, actually, speaking of clam alien things? Oh, what? Uh, Isn't that basically what Sherby is? Oh my god, yeah, you're oh, right! Is. Sherby yeah. is a robot. And it's a clam, and it's definitely not from Earth. Yay! <laughs> Why did they call it Sherby? It also kind of looks like, given the eyes, it kind of looks a little like a McDonald's character. I don't know why, but I'm getting Fry Guys vibe from it. Um, uh, yeah, same here. I'm kind of getting either that or Elmo. Do you guys remember Groundling Marsh? Yes! Oh, yeah. He kind of looks like yeah. Stax. Yeah, he does. Oh, my God. It wasn't Sherby. It was Shelby. That was it. <laughs> so th yeah that's a shelby <laughs> i love that robot clam so much yes the voice they got for it kind of sounds like a voice modulated 
voice for Pip and Pop. I think they got the same guy who does Pip and or Pop to do the robot clam voice, because it sounds just like them. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, they should have made that, like, a spinoff or something. Go full filmation, deke, cheap, outsourced, crappy, just selling you stuff animation, and just roll with it. Just completely satirize those with robot clams from Mars. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I would have watched it. I would watch it. Animation errors and everything. Yes. <laughs> it sounds like a show that they'd probably make in like either Muppet Babies or Little Muppet Monsters or something. Tutter, he gets a Cheese of the World book and Trilo gets a tail warmer and Bear, he gets a berry picking basket that the kids made themselves. And that's like, it's a really sweet scene that Bear gets the baskets. Yeah, and how they all made something that's a piece of them, and then... Tutter has the cheese, Trilo's got a banana. What did Ojo and Pippin Pop have? I can't remember. I uh, think that they put a, a shell on the bucket, if I'm not mistaken. Then Jack, you know, they're like, oh no, we didn't get Jack anything, and Jack's like... Oh no, you gave me the best gift I could ever receive. You let me into your house, you looked after me. That kindness and friendship you showed me, that is the best present anyone can ever get. I cried. I cried during that scene. And plus, it's a reprise of What If. However, I do admit, I, I don't cry as much as I do at the first What If. The first What If tugs so much more at the heartstrings. The second version, you know, it's a lot more happier because, you know, it's about, you know, the friendship and the happiness. And now, the moment you've been waiting for, they look for the Winterberry! Huzzah! Yes! yes. <laughs> then they look for the Winterberry, and then they're, like, looking around, and they sing the Winterberry song, and then Pip and Pop find it. And then Jack's like, hey, need a lift, because they can't reach for it, so then they end up getting it, and then they're like, bear, bear, we found it! And then they take it inside, and then they're just, they start to wish, but then they're like, bear, we didn't actually find it, Jack did! And then Jack's like, no, 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 I just helped them! It's like... And then they were like, no, you should make a wish. <laughs> and in the end, Pip and Pop, they just wish that Jack could find a home. And it's a very sweet segment. It is, yeah. And then who should come coming in but Doc Hogg? So Doc Hogg comes in and he says, hey, so as it turns out, I, I have a doghouse in the back of my backyard now. How would you like to live there, Jack? He's got a house! Uh, oh! I gotta say this, you know, again, I, again, we talked about Bear being gay, but to me... The OTP of Bear in the Bigelow House is Jack and Doc Hogg. Yes. 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 <laughs> oh my yeah, God. Yeah, then he gives him a nice dog house that's behind his house, and it's like, uh, although, although it kind of implies that Jack was the one digging up the rose bushes at his house. Yeah, but uh, what you gonna do? <laughs> Didn't it turn out it wasn't even Jack who did the digging? I don't think they tied up that plot hole. I'm not sure. I'll have to go back and rewatch that. And then I was a little concerned once they were looking at the wish because I was like, you know, it just hit me. They're really grateful. It was like two kids who want to do the right thing that found the winterberry because what if it was like a really selfish little shit who was like, I wish oh. all the presents were mine or some shit like that. Zero out of ten, it didn't have the gun kid from Seventh Heaven as a fascist saying he wished he could fly. You know what? I keep thinking of the wishing machine and at the beginning how Richie wishes for a big pie and he gets a pig's die. So if you wish for world peace on that, is it gonna hear world peas? And then like suddenly everybody in the world, all seven billion people really fucking have to pee out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> or they turn into fucking peas, I don't know. Oh God, world <laughs> peas, and then the earth just takes a big fucking piss. <laughs> <laughs> That's somebody's fetish. 
there's really not much left to say after they find the Winterberry, because, you know, they find the Winterberry, Jack gets a home, and Bear goes up to see Luna. They have a beautiful conversation that kind of sums up the whole moral. I'm so glad Jack found a home, Bear, but that's what the holiday should be about. And, you know, Bear says, if mice, lemurs, otters, bears, the moon, and dogs and hogs, if they can all get along, why can't everyone? Ahem, ahem. That is a phrase that has stuck with me for uh -huh. years and years and years. And then the next day you see Tucker Carlson complaining about the politically correct bear in a big blue house saying the racism is bad. Breaking news, bear in the big blue house vouches for homeless dog supremacy? Also, Bear's the only one allowed to say something like that because we know for sure he would never allow Nazis to be a part yes. of that. Tyler, would you mind leading us out of the episode? There was, you were going to say there about the goodbye song? Really, all I have to say about the goodbye song, it's just as good as everyone makes it out to be. It's a very... Just hearing that song, just it's so heartwarming, especially hearing it again as an adult. Hey, do you want to instantly cry? Listen to the goodbye song on the very last episode. Oh, yeah. That hurts. And now, for the last time this year, I get to ask that immortal question, do we keep the tapes or do we burn them? But I know what the answer is going to be already. Yes. So, let's just say it. On, all together? Keep the tapes! Keep. Hard keep, keep, keep. Absolutely. Super keep. Preserve them. Convert them to digital. Convert them to every single possible format that will ever happen. Put this damn show on Disney Plus already, you cowards. Every format that will exist on this planet until a billion years from now when the sun finally explodes and eats everything alive. Preserve it. <laughs> Turn it into a micro pig. When I am the final tier of human evolution billions and billions of years from now, I want to be able to watch this as the sun burns the planet. What Randy said times 10, basically. <laughs> so, All right, so since it's very unanimous that we are all keeping the tapes for this one, Matt, thank you so much for being our guest. Oh, I, it's been an absolute pleasure to be on the podcast. Oh, we're definitely going to have you in mind, man. Like, everybody who's been a guest this year is definitely coming back at some point. That's all I can say. Is it too late to take a trip to the uh, Channel KRT Toy Store? Why, no, it is not, as a matter of fact. Yeah, go ahead. Because I know I still have them somewhere, but when I went to Disney World for the first time in 2002, you know, Disney MGM Studios, I swear, my family actually bought plushes of Tutter and Trilo, and they're still oh down God. there somewhere. I mean, I was hoping to find them before I recorded the podcast, but if I ever find them, I will... Send the pictures to you guys, and you can share them on the channel KRT Twitter. Yes, oh my gosh, please. Okay, so I found this Trilo doll. Oh my god! I'm pretty sure that's uh, it. Huh. I'm pretty sure it's possessed. I'm pretty sure that's Trilo's kill face uh, right Tyler, there. Tyler, are you on the metaphysical section of eBay? <laughs> Damn it, Randy, how'd you know? <laughs> Damn it, Randy, we gotta assassinate you now. <laughs> Yay! I actually did find something earlier that I wanted to use if we wanted to do the Channel KRT Toy Store. This was the thing I found. Oh my hey god, kids. they lobotomized Bear. You want a drink out of his fucking skull? I thought that was a mask. Oh my god. <laughs> it comes from the Cuddly Collectibles website, but that is far from cuddly. Holy late 90s web, Batman. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, the Cuddly Collectibles website is... I'm pretty sure it's run on GeoCities still. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. With that all in mind, with this wonderful Channel KRT Christmas Yule log in front of us right now that I just manifested, uh, don't, don't just don't think about it too much. It's my show. 
<laughs> Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything you want to plug? Nope, I don't really have anything else to plug. You know, I don't really use Twitter all that much. I mean, the only reason I use Twitter is to just chat with you guys, so I don't really feel I should Aww. plug it. I'm over at Twitter, over on Mission Breakout, even though I highly recommend staying off Twitter these days. And if you do want to do that, you can find me over on Discord under Mission Breakout. You can find me on Instagram under A Walking Pun. You can also find me going to the dumpster to finally dig Randy out. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter at TylerFG, Instagram at TylerFG96. You can find us on Twitter at channel underscore KRT. Instagram at channel KRT podcast, all one word. We now have a Discord server, which you can hit any of us up for, and we'll give you the link happily. Uh, we also have our channel KRT Facebook group, and be sure to like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Tell us whether or not you believe in Santa Hog. And with that all in mind, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Everything. Blessed to, Jewel. And thank you so happy much. Happy closing credits. Thank you, the listener. <laughs> so much for everything yep. you've given us this year. You don't know how much the support means to us. Stay safe, wear a mask, and make sure to get the vaccine. No excuses. Once it's available, get the goddamn vaccine so we can end this already. Please get vaccinated. I want to raw dog the air at Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Channel KRT. Cut to snowfall. 2020 is officially cutting to static. Woo! COVID-19, cut to static.